a Protestant reverend pastor, this guy right here with the rainbow getup. He's saying that God is gay and he's a, God is a lesbian, God is trans, God is disabled, all this stuff. We're going to take a look at the clip. And then we're going to ask the question, is that true? Is God gay? And we're going to look at the conclusion that he makes. Basically, he's using horrible theology. We're going to look at Isaiah 55, some other things. But we'll go ahead and run this clip just so you can hear what this reverend has to say. Maybe you've seen it already. As you might imagine, I'm not a big fan of this guy. Here he is. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white. God is Middle Eastern. God is Asian. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. God. So really, I mean, I don't know what's more blasphemous here. God is gay, God is lesbian, God is trans, God is cis, gender, whatever that means. Or just the very conclusion at the end where he says, you are God. Listen to this. Is you. Oh, wait, I'm and hold on. Able-bodied. God is you, and you are God, because you are a reflection of God's divine image. Okay, so that's some bad theology, my friends. That's some really bad theology. You are a reflection of God. You're in God's image, and I believe that. I'm in God's image. You watching, you're in God's image, because you have an intellect and a will. It's a gift from God, right? Does that mean you are God? You see, beginning in the 1950s, they stopped teaching logic. If you were educated, if you were a person who had gone to college school, nice schools, prep schools, you took at least, if not several, courses on logic. You learned about syllogisms and fallacies. People were trained how to properly think. Nowadays, ever since the 50s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, 90s, people go all the way through college. They've not had one single course on logic. And people think crazy. They think crazy. This guy, I think he's wearing makeup. I mean, maybe that's his, that's how he rolls. This guy believes that if you're in the reflection of God, you are God. That means that when I look in a mirror and I see the reflection of myself, that, that the mirror that's a reflection of me, the, the reflection is me? That is me? The mirror? You see... Bad theology is based off fallacy. Bad theology is based off bad logic. Bad, bad theology is based on bad philosophy. My guess is this guy right here in his rainbow getup, I'm guessing he never took a course in logic. I'm guessing he never took philosophy 101. They take fem studies. They take First people studies, they take green eco studies, but just to learn how to think logically, they don't take that course. That's a big problem. How can we think correctly if we don't understand the basics of logic? Let's hear his conclusion here on the, on the end. See how he's thinking wrong. Hold on. 
and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. God? Okay, so, you know, if, if being a reflection of God means that I am God and you are God and on and on, he's 100% correct. I'm a male. That means God is male. I have feet. That means God has feet. There are people who are black and Asian and European. They exist. They have the image of God. That means God is Asian, European, African. So you can put in anything in this category, but the problem is, is you're just thinking so wrongly. This is why traditionally Catholic seminarians began their seminary not studying theology in the Bible. They began studying philosophy. The bedrock is philosophy, how to think. Then building on top of philosophy is theology, how to believe. Grace, says Thomas Aquinas, perfects nature. You can't run in to theology if you don't have a bedrock of philosophy. Sadly, even in our time, there are these students who go to Catholic colleges and they major in theology. And when I talk to them, they often have crazy wild ideas. And I say, did you ever study any philosophy? Did you take logic, philosophy 101? Did you ever read Socrates, Plato, Apology? Did you ever read that? Did you ever read Aristotle? Physics, metaphysics, any of these things? No, they don't. So when they start talking about Christology and persons and nature, it's broken. I want to read a Bible verse to you. But I'm going to take some questions. So prepare yourself for questions. The Bible verse is from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unjust man his thoughts. Oh, wait, I have it for you queued up. Let me put it on the screen for you. Here we go. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unjust man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he is bountiful to forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are exalted above earth, so are my ways exalted above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. You see, God, we are in his image and likeness. He's not in our image and likeness. It does, it's not a two-way street. Pastor, whoever. It's not a two-way street. We're in the image and likeness of God. He's not in the image and likeness of me and you. That's just bad logic. That's not thinking correctly about the world. God says right here, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. He's way above. You know how far above he is? infinite. He is infinitely above us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We got to start thinking correctly. We got to start understanding what it means to be logical. And from there, we can go on to be faithful. We can't think logically. If we can't think in terms of a proper syllogism, we can't grasp basics of philosophy like substance, accidents. We're not going to understand anything about the hypostatic union of Christ, transubstantiation, the sacraments, validity, invalidity, any of these things. We're not going to understand any of it. By the way, if you want to take a course on logic and you want me to explain to you all the fallacies, good news. I have a course on it right over here, NSTI, New St. Thomas Institute. Go to NewStThomas.com, sign up. And you can start taking. I have a whole, I walk you through all, every single fallacy that exists in human thinking. Yes, they're categorized. Yes, they're listed. I walk you through all of them 
and teach you how you never make those mistakes again. All right, let's jump into the Q&A. Want to hear y'all's thoughts on this? So let's go. Use a question mark, and I will see what you're saying. <laughs> Denise Draper, the stash, I just can't concentrate. Is it? Is the stash impeding your logic? I apologize. Basically, I've grown out my beard. It was getting long, and I shaved it off today, and I did what every man does when you shave off your beard. You leave the mustache on for a day or two to torment your children. That's what I'm doing right now. I don't know, but maybe I'll leave it. All right, we need some good questions here. Everyone says you're a rad trad, but aren't you just a dad trad? Yes, that's all I am. That's all I am. Let's get some questions, though. Yes, here's a good one from Moises. Lucifer wanted to be his own god. Lucifer wanted to think his own thoughts, to have his ways, his own ways. He didn't want to think the thoughts of God or follow in obedience to God. Satanism ultimately is not the worship of Satanism. Satanism is the worship of yourself. This guy right here really is creating idols. He is creating God in his own image, which in this case is gay, okay? All right, back to the questions. Good point, Moises. Appreciate it. Maria, I agree. He needs to see Father Ripperger. Yes. People like this need exorcism, probably. Yes. Tree, leave the stash. Thank you. Leaving it. Love it. All right, guys. Everybody's talking about the stash. All right. Don't look at the stash. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I didn't know this would be so controversial. All right. Damien, this is the start of a larger war between the LMNLP and the Catholic Church. I agree. This war has, I don't know if you call it a war, but this has been brewing, right? This is, this is not going away. It's going to have to do with tax exemption. It's going to have to do with matrimony, marriage, all these things. I think the bishops in these countries, like America, like Germany, my suspicion is these Germans think if we just keep our mouth shut and play along, the storm will pass over us. Nope. Storm ain't going to pass over. This guy right here, this guy right here is going to try to throw you into prison. Maybe not him exactly, but that movement, that culture, because they're going to be doing marriages. They're going to be saying, this is the sacrament of matrimony and we are performing it. And then everyone's going to look over at the bishops, Catholic bishops, Catholic priests, and say, well, why won't you marry me? And that's going to go into a local court. It's going to get appealed to a higher court. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. This is, this is the kicking off of the dominoes. Very insightful, Damien. Do you think the end is near? We are not in the tribulation. If you want to know why, you have to see all the signs. There's 21, 21 prophecies. Get my book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. You can get the Audible. You can get the Amazon.com. You can get a signed copy at Patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. There's a lot more to go. We're not there yet. So no, I don't, I don't, I think the end is near in that Christ is coming, but it's not in the next three to seven years yet, yet. Name Taken says, I attend a fraternity of St. Peter Parish that's recognized as a parish by my local diocese. 
do you suspect that it will be restricted under Francis Moda Proprio clarification? So the Moda Proprio clarification already came out in July of 2021. It's already been out. It doesn't apply to the fraternity of St. Peter parishes, so you're safe. A new rescript came out a few days ago from Cardinal Roche. It also doesn't affect the fraternity of St. Peter. What might affect the fraternity of St. Peter is a rumored upcoming document as an apostolic constitution, which will restrict not just the traditional Latin mass, but the other six sacraments, baptism, confirmation, penance, extreme unction, holy orders, and holy matrimony. In that case, it could be the case. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. It could be the case that the fraternity of St. Peter will be restricted in, for example, giving your baby a traditional baptism. That could happen. Or your, your kid getting a traditional confirmation. Or even the fraternity priest being ordained in the traditional rite. Those things could be on the table. We'll have to wait and see, though. Let's not get worried about it. Why worry about something that hasn't happened? Also, I want to take a moment here to talk about the rainbow. Okay, because the pastor here, he's got the rainbow going on. The rainbow is the sign of God's second covenant with humanity. His first covenant was with Adam and Eve. And the second covenant was with Noah. It's called the Noahic covenant. God made a covenant with Noah. And he said he would never flood the world again. And as a sign of that, he put a bow in the sky. And if you read the Hebrew, that bow, right? It's not a bow like I tie a bow, you know, on a present or in your hair. It's a bow for hunting. The word in Hebrew is a hunting bow. God put a hunting bow in the sky. Think about it. A rainbow looks just like it's the same shape as a hunting bow. You put a, an arrow on. That hunting bow that God placed in the sky was colored, all the colors of the rainbow. And it notably was pointed where? Where was the bow pointed? The bow was pointed up. What does that mean? Think about it. The bow was the most lethal weapon at the time of Noah. And God says, I am not, you guys are so sinful. I'm never going to destroy you again until the end of time when I destroy the world with fire. That's the understanding. In the meantime, I'm going to place a hunting bow, a deadly weapon, pointing to heaven, to me. And the idea here is man is so sinful that God himself will allow himself to be killed. The bow points at God, not at man. And it is a beautiful bow. It is all the colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, purple. It's all the colors. It's a beautiful thing, and it's pointed towards God. When you read the book of the Apocalypse, I highly suggest it. Get my book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. The rainbow is around the throne of God. It is a sign of the covenant of God with mankind. It is a sign of the covenant with mankind when man became its most evil and wicked. Now, think about how the rainbow is used in our time. Remember, the rainbow is God saying, I won't punish you with the flood again because of your sin. Remember back in Noah, in particular sexual sin at the time of Noah. This is why a group of people who are obsessed with making their identity relate to human sexual acts, they use the sign of the covenant with Noah as their logo. That's what's going on. They're flaunting the covenant that God made with Noah and the rest of humanity. They're flaunting it. Now you know. The rainbow isn't bad. The rainbow is good. The rainbow was a sign and a gift from God of a covenant. I love the rainbow. The rainbow is good. 
I don't make fun of the rainbow. What happened is people infiltrated and they stole. They tried to steal. They tried to repurpose this beautiful gift from God. A covenantal sign given to us, the rainbow. Denise Draper says, absolutely, Taylor. They inverting all that is holy. Yes, yes. Cheryl is on Facebook. Whatever happened to the days of worshiping God with awe, fear, and wonderment instead of putting man's creation parallel to him? We are getting too familiar with ease as his creatures. Such is the beauty of the traditional Latin mass that shows due respect. Anything else is blasphemy. I'm going to say something. I, I don't want people to feel judged by what I, I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you're a bad Catholic. I'm not saying your parish is bad. All right. I'm not saying any of that. But here's what I'm going to say. When Anibal Bugnini rewrote the Catholic Mass, and it was promulgated by Pope Paul VI in 1969, went into effect in 1970. What they did is they changed the liturgy. We all know it. It was not a subtle change. It was a radical change. People noticed it right off the bat. Whoa, this is different. And one of the most profound changes was the idea that the priest must face the people. That right there, all the old altars neglected. They had to create new tables. I sometimes refer to them as the Ikea tables because they look like they came from Ikea, like this table I'm on right now. They're lightweight, thin, cheap. What if the priest is celebrating Mass in persona Christi, that's Latin, in the person of Christ, and it's now in the round, it's now face-to-face, -face, it's now a dialogue, what is that, without any words, any other words, what is that teaching the audience? Well, it's just like what Cheryl said right here. The awe, the wonderment is gone. And now it's familiar. We're not parallel with God. That's kind of what this guy's all about. This guy's all about that. No, no, no. Used to be that the high altar had to be at least one step above the people, if not three steps. One, two, three. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Subdeacon, deacon, priest. Above the floor where the people are, to teach that we are not on par. We are not parallel. God is higher. We are lower. There's no stadium seating with God where we're the spectators paying the money and coming in and watching the football team, watching the baseball team down below us. No, no, no. We're down here. God's up there. We're below God. God comes down to us. We must ascend the mountain of God. This is the old way of understanding God, the biblical way. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. We come to be supernaturalized, to be infused with his grace when we go to Mass. Not on parallel. Not in the round. It's not a group hug. Everybody come on in for a hug. No, it's not that. We come up below, hands together, knee on our knees, humble. Same thing with Holy Communion. You know, I eat fried chicken, corn with my hands. Right now, if I eat corn, be all up in this mustache. It'd be bad. Maybe I should, that's another reason to shave the mustache. I eat that with my hands. You know? The Holy Eucharist is not common, ordinary food. The Holy Eucharist is the pearl of great price. You can't go into a museum and just start touching everything. These are ancient artifacts. 
Some of them are priceless. I can't go up and touch the Mona Lisa or the Code of Hammurabi, though I did want to touch the Code of Hammurabi. You're not supposed to do that. These are ancient artifacts. So what makes you think you're going to go up and receive God Almighty, the second person of the Trinity, the Logos made flesh? No, we don't do that. And ever since... We changed the liturgy, and we started putting ourselves parallel with God, priests facing the people, on the floor, with the people, over a table, and we started receiving communion in the hand. What happened? People stopped coming to church. People stopped believing in the Eucharist. That's the problem. Cheryl, right here, Cheryl knows. If only... We need to pray and fast. Let's pray and fast. If only our bishops would understand that, would implement that. How many more decades of decline and confusion do we need? No amount of synod of synodality is going to fix that. Jumping back into the questions. Pat Ponder has a super chat here. He says, why are the apostolic instructions, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, on how to protect the flock from unrepentant sinners in the parish mostly ignored by bishops and priests? Very good question. It's because, ultimately, ultimately it's because many bishops and many priests do not believe in hell. They don't believe you can go to hell. Does that make sense? If no one is going to hell, you don't have to hear confessions all that much. It's kind of like a nice therapy thing to do to people, you know, toss them a bone, but you don't need to do it. If everyone's going to hell, it doesn't matter who receives Holy Communion. If everyone's going to heaven, then they should all, they're all should be getting the Eucharist. They're all in the same destiny. If everyone is going to heaven and no one is going to hell, what does it matter if young people are watching porn, doing drugs, people are committing adultery? They just say, well, you know, they've, it's become a habit, so it's not a mortal sin. And, you know, they, they were raised. They don't really know that it's wrong. It's, you know, God doesn't care. God doesn't care. It's no big deal. He's he's just like us, like this guy said right here. Let's rock it out. This guy. You know, they just think this. God is gay. God is a lesbian. God is trans. God is gender non-binary. God is straight. God is cisgender. God is black. God is white. God is Middle Eastern. God is Asian. God is differently abled mentally and physically. God is able-bodied. God is you, and you are God because you are a reflection of God's divine image. Okay, so if that's true, I mean, if, if you are God and I am God, how is God going to send God to hell? You see, this is this crummy theology. If we're all God, and God is us, God is you, and all that, mix it all up in a big Skittle bag, how am I, if I'm God, how am I going to send myself to hell? This guy right here, I'm 100% convinced, doesn't believe in hell, no one's going there. So they don't care about unrepentant sinners. I don't care if they're a Protestant or if they're a Jesuit or what. Diocesan priest, Father Monsignor Bob, Father Fred, Deacon Larry, they don't care. They don't believe in hell. Ultimately, if you get them to drink three apple teenies, they'll tell you 
God is a loving God. He would never send anyone to hell. That's what they believe. Straight up. Thank you for your super chat, Heart Ponder. Heading back into the questions. Jones says, if I'm God, God help us. Well, it doesn't work. I mean, it's just all confusion. I mean, imagine. I don't want to be God. I'd screw it up. I'd screw everything up. Rachel Campbell, this starts in the family. Yeah, we got to get our families back on track. You know, we get worried about the dioceses and the and the seminaries and the cardinals. Yeah, it's it's crazy out there. Well, yeah, we got to get the families back, which means we got to get dads back, which means dads, do you read the Bible every day? It's a yes or no question. Do you pray the rosary every day? Yes or no question. Do you go to confession and live in a state of grace? Yes or no. If you're if you're the father, you're the paterfamilias, you're the patriarch, and you're not bringing grace into your home, or you're doing the opposite, you're bringing sin and the devil into your home, we can't restore society. We can't restore the church. Most of the onus right now is on the shoulders of parents, chiefly fathers. Now, all the women out there are saying, well, my husband doesn't really go to mass. It's on me. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it is. That's the problem with Adam and Eve. Adam didn't do anything, and then Eve's standing there holding an apple. It's bad. You got to pray that our men, our dads, our husbands, our fathers begin to do the right thing. And that's why I'm always saying, pray the rosary every day you're not on the team. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not starting a club. I'm just repeating what the popes and the saints and the Virgin Mary said. Pray the rosary every day. You're not on the team. All right, back into the questions. Lots of good questions now. Isabel says he is a pagan. Of course, this is blasphemy. Yeah, it's totally blasphemy and totally pagan. It's not Christian. John Robert says, rosary gang, gang. Yes, this is the rosary group. Pray the rosary. Johan Trinier, this dad, yes on all those. Thanks be to God. Keep on going, Johan. Keep on pursuing. If you're a woman out there, you're a wife, and you say, my husband's not there yet, you know what you got to do? Got to pray. Got to fast. You got to sacrifice. St. Paul says, adorn yourself with beauty and silence, and your husband will come around. Y'all are finally on topic. I love it. Father Ripperger has How to Raise a Man. It is a must listen. Everybody go find that. Listen to that. The rainbow preacher is lying without shame. He is not a Christian nor a Catholic. Correct. That is correct. Here is another super chat. So acquired force of habit doesn't render sins venial like the catechism of the Catholic Church says. You think? Question mark. Scary. I have such an extreme attachment to my impurity, but I don't want to go to hell. What to do? Feel like I can't confess without purpose of amendment. You need to pay, pray for grace to have purpose for amendment. You can't hide on the day of judgment and say, I sinned so much I created a habit, an addiction, and therefore I can do this without going to hell. I'm just, I somehow turned it into a venial sin. No. This is why I tell people, you got to read the Catechism of the Council of Trent. All right? Let me get it. I want everybody to see it. Hold up tight. Everybody go buy this book. In fact, go on the internet and say, this is kind of weird. Listen, hear me. Put my name in, Taylor Marshall, Happy Meal. You're like, why are you doing a Happy Meal? I put together a Happy Meal of all the books you need to feast upon. 
and I call it Happy Meal so that people will remember it because now you're never going to forget it. Taylor Marshall Happy Meal. This is one of the books in the combo, the Happy Meal that you need. You need to read this book. Uh, Gry Fry, get this book and read it and read the section on repentance. This whole idea of, well, I have made something into a habit, so it's not a mortal sin. Really? I mean, can you imagine? Uh, you, you say uh, to your employer, well, I just, you know, I was stealing, you know, a thousand bucks every Friday before I left work, and I just, I've done it for five years. I just can't stop doing it, so it's not that bad. What? What? Or telling your spouse, yeah, I cheat every weekend. It's just been a habit over the years. So it, for me, it's not a mortal sin anymore. What? What? I mean, look, we can pray for grace and we can do penance. You know, there's people who are struggling with impurity. And I say, do you pray the rosary every day? And they say, no. Do you read the Bible every day? Have you tried any form of fasting, abstinence, or penance? Most of the time it's no. And it's like, of course you can't break the bonds of Satan. You must do penance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change your mind. Change your ways. Telling yourself, I have to look at pornography or I have to engage in self-abuse is just not true. Cry Fry, we love you. Praying for you. Yusuf, for the love of God, keep the beard. No stash, no baby face. We want the beard back. I don't know. I don't know, man. Lots of people encouraging Gry Fry. I love that. Let's pray for each other. This isn't easy. It's hard. This is a war. It is a battle. JC says, oops, I lost JC's comment. Oh, here it is. By that logic, serial killers are going to heaven. I mean, yeah. It's like, I do mortal sins so much, it's not a mortal sin anymore. What? What? Lots of people hating on the mustache. Oh, well. Dylan, I believe Dr. Taylor Marshall should become Deacon Taylor Marshall. Well, I do have the Deacon mustache. Have you noticed that Deacons have mustaches? Like Deacon Larry, he's always got a mustache out there. No, I will, I'm not becoming a Deacon. All right, I cannot do what I'm doing right now if I'm a Deacon. Do you realize if I were a Deacon right now, that right now I would be getting a phone call from a bishop saying, get off the YouTube right now. You're done. Get off. No talking. You realize when you're a deacon, you can't do these things. I should not become a deacon. Defense Truth says, Dr. Marshall, isn't this the exact teaching of the Church of Satan? You did a video on this, and now it is in the Catholic Church? Question mark. Yeah. The Satanists say... Do what thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. And you are your own God. You are God. You are God. That's what the church of Satan teaches. What does this guy teach? He teaches the same thing with his little rainbow stole on. It's infiltration. It's that. Infiltration. All day long. Good observation defends truth. Adirondack weighs in with the thumbs up. All right, jumping back into the questions. Here we go. Cindy says, the phone would be ringing off the hook if you were a deacon, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Plus... I go to the traditional Latin mass. Why would I want to be a married deacon at a Novus Ordo where I got altar girls 
as my sidekicks. In what world does this make sense for me? In, in no world. In no world does being Deacon Taylor Marshall make any sense at all. Laura says, why don't these people just go to the Protestant churches and leave our Catholic church alone? Two things. Number one, we want these people to be saved, and we want them to come into the Catholic church because that's the one true church. There's only one true church. Number two, the reason they won't leave us alone and they want to be part of the Catholic church is because of this. Boom. Infiltration. They want to be in the one true church. If you're the devil, right, do you want to be in the minor leagues or in the major leagues? You want to be in the major leagues, right? Do you, if you're the devil, do you want to get a Protestant minister to go to hell or a Mary deacon? You want everyone to go to hell. Or do you really want to get like a cardinal or an archbishop or a pope or the one true church? Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Satan desires to sift you like wheat. That's what he said. So, number one, we do, I want this guy right here. Rainbow dude. Maybe not dude. Rainbow person. I want him to become Catholic. I want him in the pew next to me. Praying the rosary and, and worshiping at the Holy Sacrifice of Mass. I really want that. I want every human person to be kneeling in the pew with me, praying to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because that's what God desires. Secondly, these people aren't going to leave us alone and say, oh, you guys, you guys believe in like the one true church and like all the dogma? Cool. We'll just go over here and just do our thing. You guys do your thing. No, they want to be in our thing. They want to ruin our thing with heresy. That's what's going on. Heading over back into the questions. Lots of good questions going on. Again, for those of you missed it, get your, get your catechism, the Council of Trent, Roman Catechism. Read this. S search on the internet, Taylor Marshall Happy Meal, and you'll get all my recommendations. Looking at the questions. Dr. Marshall, how do we defend divine simplicity while avoiding these heresies of God is everything? Uh, I don't know exactly what you mean here, but God is not composed of parts. Okay, in Latin, he's simplex not duplex or triplex. You know, Think of a duplex. A duplex is two homes attached to each other, right? It's two addresses, but they are addressed. So God is not two or three addresses attached. Like the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not three different essences or three different natures. They're three persons, one essence, one nature. That's the Catholic Orthodox teaching. So God is simplex, right? He's one. He's not multiple. So you know, if you say God is everything, like he's this book, he's this mouse, he's this phone, he's this church, well, that's denying God's simplicity because that's saying that all these different substances are all God. You have multiple substances here. That's heretical. It doesn't make any sense. So you can't say that God is each and every one of these things or each and every one of these things and defend the Catholic teaching that God is simplex. Does that make sense? So they're totally contradictory to one another. Back into the questions. Here we go. Mary Jo, they do beautiful Novus Ordo Masses like Chris Alar and Father Broom do excellent training on the church. Yes, I mean, there's, there's excellent teaching, excellent training, all right? And again, we're not saying it's invalid. But the problem here is if we are going to go ahead and just say, the laity and God and the laity and the clergy are on the equal setting. 
right? We're in the round. We're in a circle. We can all, the priest can touch the Eucharist. I can touch the Eucharist. Aunt Mimi can touch the Eucharist. All of that, if we're going to say all of that, we are radically transforming our devotion, our prayers, and our worship. You can make it beautiful. You can make it reverent. You can use Gregorian chant. You can do all the, you can use marble. You can use silk. You can hang tapestry and take down the felt banners. You do all that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to ask, what does it mean to worship God? And the Eastern rites of the church and the traditional Roman rite up until 1970 had a very definitive answer for that, a very definitive theology and set of prayers for that. And the question is not, can it not be done beautifully or reverently? The question is, does it need to be changed? And if the answer is yes, the next answer is why? And that why better be really good answer, and I haven't heard it yet. Again, not judging anyone, but raising the important questions that won't go away. These questions are not going away, and they need to be addressed, and they need to be answered. Back into the questions. All right. I'm just going to ignore all the comments on the mustache. I'm actually glad to see that there's some positive ones coming in. <laughs> Gry Fry is back. Thanks. I've been praying rosary daily and going to traditional night mass and starting some fasting. I hope Mary can preserve me while I figure this out. Doesn't she promise soul devoted to rosary will not perish, or is this presumption? Yes, that's right. If you're devoted to the rosary and propagating the rosary, it's a sign of predestination. But we must also avoid sin and avoid mortal sin and keep ourselves pure. We even have to, this is hard, but we even have to avoid venial sin. The idea, and I struggle with this, okay? I'm not saying that I'm a saint on this. I'm just repeating good theology that I've read. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm an exemplar. The whole idea of, well, I'll do it because it's just a venial, it's not a mortal, is not living in the love of God. We honestly have to try to root out all sin. Mortal course, also venial. We got to. Marian devotion for purity. Three Hail Marys for holy purity in the morning and in the evening. Making an act of, uh, of contrition every evening after you do an examination of conscience. Going to confession, if you're really struggling with a habitual mortal sin, going every week if you can is very helpful. These are all things that the great spiritual masters teach. And there, there are so many men and women who have struggled with degrading forms of impurity and through devotion to Our Lady, rosary, penance, have come and reached a place where, of course, there's always a struggle, right? But have reached a place where they remain in a state of grace and are able to avoid these sins. Praying for you, Gry Fry. Thanks for being here. Jennifer over on Facebook says, communion in hand allows the risk of fragments of our Lord to fall on the ground, trampled on and swept up, thrown into the trash dump. Our Lady of Good Success spoke of the desecration. Yeah, I mean, we just have to be careful. If you had $20 million in cash, gold or Bitcoin, would you leave it in a public place with no lock on it? No, you'd be up at night thinking about it. Man, hope somebody doesn't get that. That's my Bitcoin. That's my gold. You know, you got a perfect Mickey Mantle rookie card. You're going to be, hmm, I don't want anybody to get that or damage it. Collector's items, art, worth millions and millions of dollars that you own. You're going to let anybody just come along and handle it, carry it around? 
walk out with it? Are you going to put the key to the tabernacle next to the tabernacle at night so that someone could walk in, get the key, open the tabernacle, and take the Eucharist, which is God, out to who, to wherever? No. Do we really value God, the Eucharist, as much as we do our, our material things? You know, we think about passwords and codes and insurance and safes and locks, all this stuff to protect our financial assets. But do we protect the Holy Eucharist? Uh, if the host falls on the ground, huh? the host ends up in a hymnal between two pages, page 38 and page 39. Hmm. Someone walks out with a host. Hmm. God will understand. No big deal. Well, do you really love God? I mean, this goes back to all these questions. Uh, does God, I mean, it's back to this guy right here. Eh, I mean, God is God. We are God. God is us. You know, whatever. No big deal. Or is God really God? Like he says here, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. Like, do we believe that? All right. Let's take a couple more questions here, jumping back in. Uh, Jose R. says, question, have watched clips regarding Vatican II and recent popes and heretical teachings they've held, bone-chilling. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, going back into the 1800s, there's been a systematic agenda to place men and women in the form of nuns into leadership positions in the Catholic Church, in monasteries, convents, seminaries, and dioceses, and yes, even in the Vatican. There has been a systematic infiltration. The Church is not evil. The Church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. The Church is good. The Church is the bride of Christ. But there are evil men and women in the church. They are infiltrating the one true church. That's what this book is all about. Read it if you want to find out more. If you want to get to the bottom of why it started happening, how popes warned us that it was happening, how the Blessed Virgin Mary came to earth and warned us it was happening, and then what actually did happen, and how we get out of all this, that's this book, Infiltration. That's why it's a number one bestseller over and over again in the, in the Catholic category. It's addressing what happened, how we got here, and how we get out. What do I think? I think it's horrible. This is why I'm out here saying, pray the rosary, find a Latin mass. Dads, pick up the beads, pick up the catechism, teach your kids Try to be honorable. Try to be good. Redeem the time. Redeem the culture. David says, Dr. Marshall, I bought two of your books yesterday. Thank you. You put food on my table. I hope you learn a lot and you appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if you do want to support this channel, go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. That's you, you can support my YouTube channel, my podcast, my writing of books, my teaching, everything that I'm trying to do. There's a group of people who are my patrons and they do so over at patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. So if you want to help out, I'll send you a rosary. I'll send you a signed copy of my book, Rosary in 50 Pages, or a bunch of other perks and thank yous. Uh, Joy and I have put together a bunch of different packages to say thank you to people, mainly signed books. And there's a whole bunch of people who make this possible for me. And I just got to say, I'm very blessed. I'm in a unique situation where on at 4 p.m. on Monday, I can do some research hop on a podcast and talk to how many people are here? 1,177 people live. 
I mean, you can't get to a conference. A Catholic conference has like 1,170 people live. And that's made possible by generous people. I'm not unaware of that. So thank you to everyone who makes this possible. Uh, I do appreciate it. My wife appreciates it. It's really a gift, and I am very honored. So thank you very much. And I'll try to do my best always for you guys. All right, one last question coming in here. This is a good observation. The you are God idea is quite similar to the Masons. Yeah, this is what the Freemasons, this is what the Satanists teach. It's what the Freemasons teach. It's what Satan taught in the garden to Adam and Eve. Exactly. This is not what Jesus taught. All right, last question here. Catherine, I never felt comfortable with communion on the tongue, but it would have kept me from finding the communion wafer on the ground. I don't know what that means, but I'm glad that you did find that, and hopefully you brought it to the priest and things were taken care of. Thank you. I'll do one more. That was more of a comment and not a question. Let me find a question. People call me Sheriff Marshall. I guess that's because of the mustache. All right, looking for a question. Moises, no more LMNOPLGBT masses celebrations unless they get permission from the Vatican. Wait, that only applies to the TLM masses. Yeah, this is sort of the double standard. You can do a LMNOP. Figure out what that means real quick. LMNOP. It's this. Well, I guess he wrote it out too. The L to the G to the B, et cetera. You can do that all day long. You can make up your own mass. But if you want to celebrate the mass as it was celebrated in 1962 or before, they'll slap your wrist, they'll report you to Rome, and you'll be in trouble. You could risk getting laicides, losing your priesthood, because you want to celebrate the mass as St. Thomas Aquinas and Gregory the Great celebrate the mass. That's a double standard. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But to me, it seems really wrong. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. I'm going to pray the Our Father with y'all. We'll do the Our Father in Latin. In oremus nomine patris et fidi et spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi, sancti vicetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Mighty God, we pray for everyone in the audience, especially those who are struggling with holy purity. We ask that you would give them many graces, that all the virgin martyrs, especially St. Agnes and St. Philomena, would pray for them. We ask that you would give us hope you'd give us encouragement. We ask that you would also uh, rescue your church, reform the seminaries, reform the dioceses, also preserve the traditional Latin Mass and all the traditional sacraments. Help us to worthily love you and worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Appreciate you. Thanks to everyone who supports on patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. I am aware how blessed I am. And I thank you for everyone who makes that possible. And please pray for me. Our family, when we pray the rosary, we include you in our intentions at night. And until next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Make sure you like the video. Boom. Make sure you share this video on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And if you're new please consider hitting the subscribe button and the little bell. You'll be notified whenever I make new videos. Tomorrow I have a new video. I think you're really going to like it. I pre-recorded it, and it is the 10 theological differences between Catholics and Protestants. It's good. It's a good video. If you're a Protestant, you need to watch this. If you're a Catholic, you need to watch this. It breaks down the 10 major distinctions between Catholics and Protestants, and that will go live tomorrow at two o'clock. So check it out. All right. And there's also another video on the screen here. Watch that next video and God bless and Godspeed.